Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcast, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Now, one day, I walked in, and I heard Yauk playing this awesome bass line. It was so good, it seemed like it must have been a song already. I was like, yo, Yauk, what is that? And he was like, it's ours. I just wrote it. So I sat down, I start playing drums with him. The keyboard money Mark sits down, he starts playing the organ, and then Adam puts on his guitar, he starts to play. We made a quick arrangement, and we recorded it. It was the fastest song we'd ever made. And it was kind of our favorite instrumental we had, but for whatever reason it just sat around for months and months with no vocals. When we were getting ready to finish the record, we knew we had to do something with that song. We tried a bunch of different ideas to make it a rap song, but it wasn't working. And I had this idea that I would go to Mario C's house and he would record me screaming a bunch of stuff. Music documentaries don't tend to be the most experimental of art forms. Frankly, they can often be a bit samey. Interviews with talking heads cut alongside archive footage that illustrates the incidents they recall, concerts, studios, contracts, drugs. It's nice to come across a film that tries to take a different approach. In Beastie Boys' story, just arrived on Apple TV+, the subjects are all the same. Concerts, studios, contracts, drugs. But the format prioritises the voices of the group themselves, rather than commentators or other witnesses. The film is essentially a filmed live performance, not of the Beasties in concert, because as Adam Horowitz, aka Ad Rock, says, they ceased to be a band when the third member, Adam Yauk, MCA, died of cancer in 2012. It's a spoken word reminiscence, designed to be filmed, but also designed for a live audience, and designed to bypass the usual gatekeepers of a band's story. This is defiantly first person, but to the remaining Beastie's credit, it's a story told with considerable insight and humility. Sucker MCs was everywhere in New York when it came out. You heard it coming out of cars, out of tape decks, out of pizza spots all over the city. Run DMC was the shit, and we wanted to be just like them. I mean, we studied every song, every lyric. We looked at every picture, trying to figure out their sneaks, their clothes, everything. We would study and repeat all our favorite rap songs all day. Not that we thought we'd ever be a rap group or anything, but around this time we started writing our own rhymes. I think now we're going to show a little example that shows kind of where we are at on Wait, the mic as MCs. You're jumping, oh. in. You're jumping ahead, oh, Mike. Go back. Jumping turn turn around, Spike. Turn around. Really? Okay. All right, time out. Hey, oh, hey. Now, now, see, oh, wait, Spike? we're definitely in the wrong place. Yeah. <laughs> 
The Beastie Boys grew up in a New York music scene that was centred around the largely white boy world of what Americans call punk rock. That was a musical style that was a kind of distilled essence of the UK punk scene. But it didn't take the Beasties long to realise that there was an arguably more vital and certainly more indigenous music scene right on their doorstep. Hip-hop did not come easily to the Beastie Boys, but they were nothing if not game, and it is thanks to the self-interested guidance of Def Jam's Russell Simmons and the single-mindedness of producer Rick Rubin that that first album tore up the charts in 1986. Everyone in the business knew that a white rap group was going to be a license to print money, and so License to Ill was born. The Beastie Boys story stage show and the resulting film is directed by Spike Jones, collaborator on many of the Beastie's most memorable mid-career videos, like for the song Sabotage that we heard about a little earlier. Jones is something of a prankster himself, the director of, frankly, not enough feature films, but they include Adaptation, Being John Malkovich and Where the Wild Things Are. And there's a looseness about the Beastie Boys story that reflects the fact that neither he nor his Beastie friends have ever taken themselves too seriously. At least not since they got off the license to ill treadmill back in 1987, when they realised that the trap of a management Svengali and a guru producer was only going to hold them back creatively. For dedicated fans, many of these stories won't be new. But I'm not one of those people, so the even-handedness and willingness to share credit and blame, even when detailing how they were ripped off as naive young musicians, was one of the pleasures of Beastie Boys' story. We were burning out. In a flash, Beastie Boys went from being a funny tipsy guy with the lampshade on his head to the ugly drunk dude that people were trying to get out of their apartment. It's like that Bill Murray movie, Groundhog Day. You know, where he keeps living the same day over and over. But in our movie, it was the f***ing dick going up in the air at the end of every show. The problem was, we built the box and we're the dicks stuck inside the box it became how can we get through the show fast enough so the stupid dick can get back in the box and we can get the fuck off stage i'm not going to pretend to you that beastie boy story is one of the classics of the rock biopic genre its insights are more about what it's like to look back on these young and restless versions of yourself from the position of a comfortable middle age rather than detailed chapter and verse stories about how songs and sounds came to be, although there is a little of that. Some of the most interesting moments in the film are bits that a more detached director might have missed. It's ultimately about a lifetime of friendship, that recognition of when you didn't always do right by the people you love, but that you want to make it up to them now, if it isn't too late. Finally, I recommend you watch this film right to the end, because many of its greatest pleasures and surprises arrive after the final credits have finished. I'm not sure whether watching streaming films at home encourages sitting right through to the end of the credits or not. Netflix makes it almost impossible, but it's still something that we like to do at our house, and I think it's worth it this time. So when it comes to my friend the rapper Mike D, a.k.a. Sweet Lou, a.k.a. Michael Lewis Diamond, I know him, right? Like everything. And he knows me just the same. But Adam Yauk, a puzzle, a conundrum. A labyrinth of ideas and emotions, an enigma, a wild card. 
And after 35 years of friendship, I never knew what he was going to do or say next. He was a living contradiction of people's ideas of how or what you're supposed to be or do. I mean, he's the Buddhist guy who's telling me how last night he was at this after-after party for some fashion show. And he's the fight for your right to party dude who went trekking through Nepal on some kind of discovery quest. And then he met with politicians in Washington, D.C., letting them know what he'd seen and what he learned. Beastie Boy's story is rated M, according to Apple. There's plenty of curse words and some adult themes. You can find it on the Apple TV Plus service, which has a seven-day free trial and is also free for a year when you buy a qualifying Apple product. Otherwise, it's $8.99 a month. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to (laughs) pretend that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.